Chapter 42, Part 6 of Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chuck Williamson. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. Appendix Part Six Lord Napier's Testimony. Lord Napier, who held a diplomatic position under Lord Stratford de Redcliffe during the Crimean War, gives the following testimony to the worth of the Sisters of Mercy. During the distress of the Crimean War, the ambassador called me in one morning and said, Go to the port. You will find a ship there, loaded with Jewish exiles, Russian subjects from the Crimea. It is your duty to disembark them. The Turks will give you a house in which they may be placed. I turn them over entirely to you. I went down to the shore and received about two hundred persons, the most miserable objects that could be witnessed most of them old men, women, and children, sunk in the lowest depths of indigence and despair. I placed them in the cold, ruinous lodging allocated to them by the Ottoman authorities. I went back to the ambassador and said, Your Excellency, these people are cold, and I have no fuel or blankets. They are hungry and I have no food. They are very dirty, and I have no soap. Their hair is in an undesirable condition, and I have no combs. What am I to do with these people? Do, said the ambassador, get a couple of sisters of mercy. They will put all to rights in a moment. I went saw the mother superior, and explained the case. I asked for two sisters. They were at once sent. They were ladies of refinement and intellect. I was a stranger, and a Protestant, and I invoked their assistance for the benefit of Jews. Yet these two women made up their bundles, and followed me through the rain without a look a whisper, or a sign of hesitation. From that moment my fugitives were saved. No one saw the labors of those sisters for months but myself, and they never endeavored to make a single convert. In his speeches in the aftertimes, Lord Napier repeatedly referred to the singular zeal and devotedness constantly shown by the sisters to the sick of every denomination. On one occasion, in Edinburgh, he remarked that the sisters faithfully kept their promise not to interfere with the religion of non-Catholics. But, continued his lordship, they made at least one convert. They converted me, if not to believe in the Catholic faith at least to believe in the Sisters of Mercy. The few months spent at Balaclava by the devoted sisters 
witnessed a repetition of the deeds of heroism which had achieved such happy results at Scutari and Kulali. The cholera and a malignant type of fever had broken out in those days in the camp. By night, as well as by day, the sisters were called to help the patients. Yet their strength seemed never to fail in their work of charity. Besides the soldiers, there were six civilians, Maltese, Germans, Greeks, Italians, Americans, and even Negroes, and to all they endeavored to give some attention. The medical orders reveal the constant nature of the nursing required at their hands. At one time, the doctor, quote, requests that a sister would sit up with his Dutch patient in number nine ward tonight, end quote. Again, quote, sisters to sit up with the Maltese and the Arab. Kind attendance on Jones every night would be necessary until a notification to the contrary be given. Keep the stump moist, a little champagne and water to be given during the night. Elliot is to be watched all night, powder every half hour, wine in small dose if necessary. End quote. The very confidence placed by the physicians in their careful treatment added to their toil. As the deputy purveyor-in-chief reported to the government in December 1855, quote, the medical officer can safely consign his most critical case to their hands. Stimulants or opiates, ordered every five minutes, will be faithfully administered, though the five minutes' labor were repeated uninterruptedly for a week. The heroism of the nuns, however, was now well known in the camp, and never did workers find more sympathetic subordinates than the sisters had in their orderlies. The fact that they would never lodge complaints, or have the orderlies punished, only made the men more zealous in their service. One of the sisters found it necessary to correct her orderly. Perhaps, James, she said, you do not wish me to speak to you a little more severely. He at once interrupted her. Troth, sister, I glory in your speaking to me. Sure, the day I came to Balaclava, I cried with joy when I saw your face. One who had taken a glass too much was so mortified at being seen by the Reverend Mother, whom the soldiers call their commander-in-chief, that he sobbed like a child. Another in the same predicament hid himself, that he might not be seen by the sister. He had never hidden from the enemy. A medal with three clasps bore eloquent testimony to his bravery. "'I don't like to say anything harsh,' said the sister. "'Speak, ma'am,' interrupted the delinquent. "'The words out of your blessed mouth are like jewels falling over me.' One of the sisters writes, "'We have not a cross here with anyone.' The medical officers all work beautifully with us. 
they quite rely on our obedience. Sir John Hall, the head medical officer of the army, is quite loud in his promise of the nuns. The hospital and its hunts are scattered over a hill. The respect of all the sisters is daily increasing. Don't be shocked to hear that I am so accustomed to the soldiers now, and so sure of their respect and affection, that I don't mind them more than the school children. The soldiers in the camp envied the good fortune of stratagem to have a few words with the nuns. Please, sir, they would say to their chaplain, do send a couple of us on an errand to the hospital to get a sight of the nuns. As the time for the nuns' departure approached, the cordial manifestation of respect and kindly feeling were only the more multiplied. The grateful affection of the soldiers, a sister writes, is most touching, often ludicrous. They swarm around us like flocks of chickens. A black-veiled nun, in the midst of redcoats, all eyes and ears for whatever she says to them, is an ordinary sight at Balaclava. Our doors were besieged by them to get some little keepsake, a book in which we write given by a sister of mercy is so valuable an article that a protestant declared he would rather have such a gift than the victoria cross or crimean medal the sunday after the nun's departure the men who went to the chapel sobbed and cried as though their hearts would break when the priest turned to speak to them and asked their prayers for the safe passage of the nuns they could not control their emotions. I was obliged to cut short my discourse, wrote the chaplain, else I should have cried and sobbed with the poor men. This sympathy was shown by Protestants and Catholics alike, and from the commander-in-chief to the private soldier, from the first medical officers to the simple presser in the surgery. All was a chorus of praise of the untiring, judicious, and gentle nursing of the Sisters of Mercy. Two Sisters of Mercy were summoned to their crowns from the hospital of the East. One was English, a lay sister from the convent at Liverpool. She fell a victim to the cholera, which raged at Balaclava. The other was a choir sister from Ireland, Sister M. Elizabeth Butler. Already, rumors of peace had brought joy to the camp, when towards the close of February 7, 1855, she caught typhus attending to the sick, and in a few days joyfully bade farewell to the world. One of the surviving sisters describes her funeral. The 89th Regiment obtained the honor and privilege of bearing the coffin to the grave. One officer earnestly desired to be among the chosen, but thought he was not worthy, as he had not been at Holy Communion on that morning. The whole medical staff attended. 
the sisters of charity at the sardinian camp sent five of their number to express sympathy and condolence eight chaplains attended to perform the last rites for the heroine of the charity the place of internment was beside the departed lay sister on a rocky hill rising over the waters of the black sea the funeral was a most impressive sight the soldiers in double file the multitudes of various nations ranks and employments the silence unbroken save by the voice of tears the groups still at sanctuary that crowded the rocks above the grave the moaning of the sullen waves beneath all combined in a weird pageant never to be forgotten by the thousands that took part in it the graves of these cherished sisters were tended with loving attention marked by crosses and enclosed by a high iron railing set in cut stone they are still quite visible from the black sea beneath many a pilgrim went thither to strew the graves with flowers and to the present day many a vessel entering the black sea lowers its flags in memory of those heroines who in the true spirit of charity devoted their lives to alleviate the suffering of their countrymen End of chapter 42, part 6